here. So by the way, if you are new, uh, we do put an outline usually for our teaching notes. It's available in the foyer as you come in every uh, Sunday. And then also there are the readings for this week within something called the Revised Common Lectionary, which I'm going to talk about this morning as well. Um, and uh, this is also available online. And you can always listen to the sermon later. We post the teaching later. Uh, during Monday usually goes up, and it's available in podcast format. It's also on YouTube. All those links are from the main Pilgrim website, and so you can re-listen to teaching or listen if you are not there on a Sunday. And most of our home churches then go through and wrestle with some application, take that sermon to the next level, discernment, wrestling, and application. I... Uh, came across a story that uh, was written as a devotion some years ago, and uh, I just want to share this with you. There was a woman and a man who were watching uh, their children play at the playground, and eventually they got into a conversation, and after a while, the man called out to his son, who was on the swing set, yelled out to him and said, son, it's time to go home. And the little boy pleaded, he said, just five more minutes, dad, just five more minutes. And the father agreed to the child's earnest plea. I remember being in this stage of life with the little ones. And after a few minutes later, the father called out to the son again saying that it was time to go home. But once again, the boy pleaded, five more minutes, dad, five more minutes, dad, just five more. And the father gladly agreed with the child's request for a second time and continued swinging. Listening to the conversation between the father and son, the woman complimented the man on his patience The father replied to her this way. He said, my older son, Tommy, passed away last year, and I never spent much time with Tommy. Now I'd give anything for just five more minutes with him. I vowed not to make the same mistake with Sam. He thinks he has five more minutes. He thinks he has five more minutes to swing. The truth is, I'll give him five more minutes to watch him play. I'm thinking about the concept of time and how we experience time. And today we're jumping out of series to do kind of a one-off message on this idea of time. And as I was prepping and thinking about this message last week and this week uh, in relation to the baptism that's happening today and other things as well, I was reminded of, of loss and time. You know, and my kids are, the youngest is 17, you know, and, and up from there. And how fast that goes. And I know some of you are young parents or you're friends of young parents and you see them sort of uh, harried and haggard and, and sort of all of this kind of thing. But man, the, the old saying is true that the days are long, but the years are fast and they go like that. And I thought of this little story as well and I was reminded of, and I don't know where this came out of, but I was reminded in my life growing up of a playmate, a playmate a, a, a ch- when I was a child Somebody I played with when I was little in elementary school, Webster Elementary in Yankton, South Dakota. There we go. There's your USA reference for all of you haters out there. There it is. All right. Uh, Yankton, South Dakota. Her name was Chantelle Charbonneau. And um, she was a kind little girl. And we played. We ran out on the lawn all over on our recess break with a couple other friends. And I was reminded that in that small town, she and her mother were, were brutally murdered. Um, and she was age 12 and her mother was 40. This was an elementary school friend of mine, and I, for some reason I'd forgotten that for years and years and years. I mean, and I don't know if that's just because childhood memories and all of that, but it came to mind vividly this week, strangely, and I did Google searches and read more about it and all of that. And um, we never know where we're at in time. We never know what's going to happen. We don't know what's next. And this wrestling with time is important. 
Positively speaking, in the Bible, there are two words in Greek that we read about time, and they're chronos and kairos. Chronos and kairos. I don't know if you want to say it. We anglicize it and say chronos. We'll go with chronos. Chronos and kairos. Kairos. And chronos time is that sort of way of marking regular time. Like our watch, the, the time that we're in, like just the basic way, the ordinary timing of life. And kairos is that unique thing, unique moments, things that where time shifts or is different or something is changing in the essential experience of our life. Appointed time is one way to, to translate kairos. So this morning I want to read a few verses and then I want to talk about this idea of how we mark time matters. Are you still with me this morning? Say yes, amen, something, just to let me know you're awake. Super chill crowd this morning. All right, all right. You can do it. Amen just is like in a statement of yes, so be it, etc. I mean, I mean. <laughs> in Mark chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, I'm going to read them from my notes today. I'm going to read a couple different different places in the Bible. This is the story of Jesus. He was tested in the wilderness by Satan, we're told, right after he was baptized. So, Jenny, um, be prepared uh, if Satan drives you out in the wilderness for 40 days. All right. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he, meaning Jesus, was in the wilderness for 40 days, tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Verse 14, Mark chapter 114. Now, after John, meaning John the Baptist, was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Good news that God is bringing to focus something right now in Jesus. The time is fulfilled. Do you know what time it is, friends? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, Paul is writing, and we actually studied this earlier in the year, this passage. He says, as we work together with him, meaning God or in Christ, we entreat you to also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I've listened to you. And on a day of salvation, I have helped you. Now look, now is the acceptable time. And now is the day of salvation, this kairos breaking through moment, this time of newness. Do you know what time it is? In First Chronicles chapter 12, verses 32, there was a change in the kingship of ancient Israel from the family of Saul to a different family. So breaking the patrilineal lineage or the lineage of the, of the king to a new family because the ancient Israelite monarch served at the pleasure of Yahweh, not the other way around. And Yahweh was done with the line of Saul because of disobedience. And it says this, as the tribes of Israel were beginning to align with the new king that was, being, that was emerging, David. And it says of this, of the tribe of Issachar, those who had the understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kindred under their command affirmed this change of David. And then one last, actually two more passages to talk about time, because this is sort of a big topic today. In Exodus chapter 12, when the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness and they have been delivered from slavery and bondage in Egypt, the great narrative of the Old Testament of the Jewish people, the Exodus, the Passover, they are told by Moses, God through Moses, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. That after their deliverance from Egypt, their calendar was changed. 
And God told them, you will celebrate time differently from now on out to remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and put you in wealth. And so you hear this restated, put them into a new land. This month will be the first month, the first month of your year. And one more passage. Still with me? Amen? Come on, come on. All right, all right. This is Jesus in Luke chapter 4. And I've read this many times. It's a wonderful, famous passage. Jesus is, his public ministry is starting. In Luke, he's gone through the temptation, the wilderness, and now he enters into Nazareth. And he quotes from Isaiah. Well, in our Bibles, Isaiah uh, chapter 61. But in Luke 4, verse 16, it says this. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. So we see Jesus marking time, following the Jewish calendar of every week, pausing, resting, worshiping, delighting, that there's something that rebels against all of the consumption and all of the powers of empire. When we do this, this is a political act, by the way. Did you know that this morning? That says, ultimately, the government of Canada, the government of the U.S., um, uh, the paramount leader, she, whoever does not have the last say over the universe. But there is God at work in the world. And by staying here and saying, Jesus is king, all other kingdoms will pass away. You are doing something radical. Just want to let you in on that. (laughs) Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it is written. And Jesus reads this in the public synagogue. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. This had both literal and spiritual application, by the way, in his ministry to set free those who were oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled back the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. This is a Kairos moment. Let's pray. Lord, as we wrestle today with this idea of marking time. I cannot do this subject justice. But, oh, Holy Spirit, in my frailty and weakness and in our willingness to cooperate in this moment together with you and the Spirit and one another, I pray that you would do what you need to do in hearts and minds today. And I pray for an awakening work of your Holy Spirit in this place, in this house, in this moment now, for every man, woman, child, Every person in this house, do your work today through this foolish, weak vessel, I pray, as we work together as your people in this scandalous local church called Pilgrim. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Kronos, the measuring of time like a clock, the ordinary time, and we celebrate Kronos time. And Kairos, the appointed time, the time of change, unique time, the right or opportune time, an auspicious time if we want to borrow from others as well. And yes, I think we are called to overlap our experiences of Kronos and Kairos time. This is one way that we can stay awake to the now, but also mark our time differently in that what God has done in Jesus Christ. 
In the church I became a Christian, we did not mark time very differently from the larger cultural secular calendars around us. We did mark Christmas, we did mark Easter, maybe Good Friday, but that was about it. The rest of the year we marked more days, in fact, in our church by secular calendar. We marked more days around things like, well, it was the U.S., so the 4th of July and Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Well, November 11th is celebrated in both countries. We marked time around uh, 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 you know, President's Day. And, um, well, in South Dakota, it was Native American Day or Columbus Day and other places. Uh, we marked time by more of those days in our calendars than we did by calendars marked by the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And yet we claimed by the power of the Spirit, Jesus is present now and at work in the world, moving this creation towards something. There is something that we need to understand. We are always being formed. We are always being shaped. There is no neutral ground, as I say to Oliver all the time. There is no neutral down. You can be a dead fish floating down the stream, or you can be alive going upstream. We are being formed continually. And how we mark time matters I like how Jamie Smith talks about this in his book, Desiring the Kingdom, that there are practices that shape us and form us. There are thick practices and there are thin practices. Say it with me, thick practices and thin practices. The difference between a thick and thin practice really is what it's aiming towards and what it's shaping in us. Brushing our teeth is generally a thin practice. We do it. It shapes us, it forms us, keeps our teeth clean, and that's about the end of it, right? But those other practices are ones that form something within us. And he says this, thick habits or practices play a significant role in shaping our identity. And such habits may or may not be institutionally religious. He talks about these thick practices help shape and form our identity. And so, the first thing I want to say by way of time is remembering this, that you are always being formed and that how we mark time is a thick practice. If you're more driven by the clock, in fact, you know in church when things are really good, you slip from being a Kronos kind of focused person to a Kairos person. And maybe that's just those of us that are from Pentecostal land. But uh, there's a time when you're experiencing church and you're just like, oh my goodness, would he land that plane already? For the love of all that is holy and Jesus. And you can say that in the meaningful way in the church and not in a cursing way. Uh, yes, so, in Kronos. But sometimes there's this sense where we let ourselves let go and we enter into the play of the Holy Spirit. When people begin to understand that what we do in this place is not just about ticking a box, it's not just about head knowledge transfer, but the potential is here in the face-to-face -face gathering, large and small, for the anointing and the movement of the Holy Spirit, for this to catch us up into the play of the Spirit, and we experience chronos time, something that changes and alters our relationship with ourselves, with one another, and with God. And I'm here to tell you that I have a high view of the Sunday gathering I am not a baseline evangelical on Sunday gathering. I believe that the potential for God's grace to be mediated by the power and the play of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is here in this house. And if you are a leader in this church, I want to challenge you to get a hold of that and wrestle with that and understand that there is potential here to change time zones, to enter into God's time in a way that empowers us and then sends us back out into our chronos ordinary time life, which is also a gift of God, by the way, but in a new way, empowered directly by his spirit in community. This is a thick practice, what we are doing right now. 
by the way, I'm wrestling with, not wrestling with, but having a conversation with Jay Kim about, we're trying to figure out if we can bring him up into Vancouver to talk about analog church and analog faith. The books that he's written about this, I think it's powerful stuff. So thick and thin practices. Let me introduce the church calendar. I could say so much more about that. I'm, I'm actually cutting out pages as we go here. And everybody said amen. Okay, all right. There's your opportunity. I'll tell you. Kronos captive people, let Jesus set you free. No, okay, all right. No, that's not an excuse for bad preaching or teaching, by the way. Okay, here we go. Liturgical time, I want to talk about. The church year. This pattern of rhythm is something that in every church I've been a pastor of, since I've been a lead pastor, we've reintroduced. I think this is so important that we mark our calendars differently, that our calendars are not simply determined by, by the uh, Gregorian New Year or the uh, Lunar New Year or the uh, Canada Day Year or all that, but that we are marked by a different time. And in this church, we've marked this in the past, and we're continuing to build on what Pilgrim has done. Thank God this church has, had been open to this and has already done some of this work. But this idea of engaging in the time of God, the liturgical season, the calendar... It's a counter-formational calendar. It's a way to mark your time differently, centered on the life and teachings of Jesus. I like how an author from the website Center for Baptist Renewal, what a great website title, by the way, centerforbaptistrenewal.com, wrote this. He said, Rightly understood, there is nothing mystical about the Christian or church year, the liturgical year, another way of calling the same thing. He said, There's nothing about it that requires us to treat the Christian year as if we're commanded in Scripture to do it, for indeed we are not. But like baptism and communion, unlike baptism and communion, which are commanded, yet there's nothing about it that requires us to steer away from it or regard it as an unbiblical intrusion on our services and daily life. And the church year really is birthed out of the year within Judaism. It's really something saying how the the Jews were called to mark time differently based on God's acts. So in the Jewish calendar, you had things like Passover, the celebration of God's deliverance of the people from slavery. And I cannot tell you how powerful that idea of Sabbath and the year being ordered around the Exodus was and is. To use Walter Brueggemann, the same idea, it sets us free from the totalizing claims of the powers around us, the economies that want to crush us and reduce us to either consumers or, or of, of, of simply automatons of a party or whatever. It, it reminds us that God is at work in the world. There is something else happening. And so in Judaism, those celebrations of Exodus, of Passover, of Yom Kippur, of the Day of Atonement, of confessing sins, of Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, and all of that, when Christianity comes and when Jesus comes and we become Israel extended, the early church begins to take these and shapes them, moves sort of the Passover celebration into now the first day, the Sunday, the day of resurrection of Jesus. Walter Brueggemann says this, I believe that the church tasked to expose what I call military consumerism that can never make us safe and never make us happy and that we have to stay at that because people's lives are being devoured. The task of the church in the face of things that want to claim ultimacy in our lives is to invite, he goes on, people into an alternative. And Jesus, when you respond to Jesus' call to say, come follow me and to give your allegiance to him, you are embracing a new way of living. And the church invites people to think about and experiment with this, that we are called to live differently. We are to relate differently, not simply in a gift reciprocity theory, but we are to engage in relationship on sheer belovedness of the other person around us in our life. And the church calendar helps remind us of this. Deuteronomy 16, we are told, 
Yet again, after a generation died in the wilderness, the generation that experienced the deliverance of God. And I think that's why second and third generation Christians also struggle with deconstruction because if they have not understood the stories of maybe how their parents experienced the immediacy and that kind of salvation where there is a strong break with darkness turning to light. And if you are raised with people that have already turned to the light, you don't understand the fullness of darkness. And it can be very difficult when you get to second, third and beyond generation Christians. That's why every generation needs to choose to follow Jesus and to understand that there is is indeed spiritual warfare and we are called to turn from darkness to light if not for ourselves if we have lived in that we choose to embrace christ and to see that continue on deuteronomy 16 the second generation after the first generation died in the wilderness punishment for unbelief they were commanded again remember to celebrate the passover of the lord your god in the month of aviv he brought you out of out of egypt by night deuteronomy 16 1 And it wasn't those children, technically, that were brought out of Egypt. They were the next generation. But he's saying, you were brought out of Egypt. To the second generation, he's saying, you need to understand that the deliverance that happened then has repercussions for you and your life. And you can choose to go back under bondage, maybe not literally going back to Egypt, but in your own way of thinking. And so he's calling them to move forward. Time shapes us. Time shapes us. How we mark time matters. So the church here, really quickly here, let's talk about this. Are you still with me, amen? We'll still get to baptism. The water's still there. It's not going to, you know, it'll be all right. I turn the heater on at 6.30 a.m. because the people doing the baptism, I do not want them to freeze first and last time. We don't want that experience. We want to be good experience. In the church here, we celebrate God's sending and faithfulness of entering into creation. We begin with the season of Advent which we are going to enter into in two weeks. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the church year, Christ the King Sunday. And Josh is preaching. Come out, bring friends, pack this place out. All right. Uh, And uh, I'll be preaching at John House Church. So uh, he's he's on vacation. So I'm doing vacation preaching. Do you guys remember when John Howe was here? Anybody remember John Howe? Yeah? Yeah. How he roasted me? How awful that was? (laughs) I'm going to be preaching at his church next Sunday. Just pray for me that I stay saved. All right. Uh, It was all in love, I'm sure. So the beginning of the church year, Advent, this became enshrined a few centuries into as they began to decide what day they were going to celebrate Jesus coming, his first coming as the baby at Christmas. Just thought of a little joy song on the screen when I said baby at Christmas. Uh, Advent season, the Sundays, the four Sundays, the weeks leading up to Christmas. And then Christmas where we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ in the church or his first coming. God entering and putting on flesh, getting scandalously particular time, place, and people. And that's how God always does his best work. Just why things like these gatherings are powerful because scandalous, particular place, particular people, messy, working through stuff. He enters in as the baby at first Christmas. And we experience the gratitude and the awe and wonder that happens after the Christmas season into the epiphany season. Say it with me, epiphany. Epiphany, you know, I've had an epiphany, I had an awakening, I had this revealing, a theophany is what is celebrated during epiphany. Theophany is a revealing of Jesus as just more than another human, but something else is going on with this guy. And in this, we have the revelation of Jesus, not just to ancient Israel, but to the Gentiles as well. In epiphany, we celebrate, we three kings of Orient, okay, that's a horrible song, I hate it, but anyway, um, because there probably was more, we don't know that there were three, and they were... Zoroastrian magi, they were in the religious system of Zoroastrianism and and from ancient Persia. 
And they come and bow down and worship the young child in Epiphany. In Epiphany, we also remember Jesus' baptism when he was a young man launching his ministry. And when the voice from heaven comes, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the people around are wondering what is going on here. And John the Baptist, when Jesus is approaching the waters to be baptized for repentance, says, I'm not even worthy to take the sandals off of this man. And he talks about it and behold the one who, I mean, John is prophetically speaking, uh, sort of the last great prophet of Israel announcing Jesus in Epiphany, we remember this. We're reminded that our sin is as in our boats and Jesus comes and calms the storm. That's another story that is read at Epiphany. The triumphant king rides on the beast of burden. We see this from Lent and to Holy Week. And Lent is the season leading up into Easter. And Easter week, we remember the death of Christ. We remember the Last Supper. And we remember, of course, Sunday, the resurrection. And then as we go through the church year, we are marked differently. And these roughly follow these, these dates on the calendar. Um, then we get into Pentecost. And Pentecost is where the promise of the Holy Spirit, we celebrate and remember that Jesus ascended into heaven. But not only did he ascend, he said, I will send the comforter. I will send the promise of my father. And you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. And in fact, in baptism, we often pray, or it has been tradition in the ancient church to pray. Not only are you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but a prayer for the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the person as well. And we can do that ritualized. We can do that informally with prayer ministry teams. But we are reminded that why we are here today is the work of the Holy Spirit. You understand, we can mark time differently. And if you begin to think about your year this way, instead of simply through the January 1 New Year or the, um, uh, any other way we want to mark the calendar, Canada Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, 4th of July in the state, wherever... If you begin to mark your life by this way around the life of Jesus, it can change and it can form you deeply. There's another way of marking time. In fact, in some church traditions, when you become a believer, you also get a new name. You often work with people that are, that are discipling you or close with you to help pick that name. Certainly, you keep the name your parents gave you at birth, but sometimes you're given this additional name. The idea that in Christ, you're entering into a new kind of being. You're entering into a new time. You are overlapping the old Kronos time of your life with new Kronos and Kairos time together. Unique time of God working and revealing. So we move around again in an ordinary time. Oh, what's ordinary time? Ordinary time is most of the church year, or at least half of the church year. We are now in ordinary time. Say with me, this is ordinary. Okay, when you talk about my preaching, you should not be so mean. Quit saying things like that. I was kidding. So we're in ordinary time. And um, this goes back through the life teachings of Jesus. And there are scripture readings that correspond with this. There is something called the lectionary, a three-year cycle of readings for Sunday mornings. And then there's a two-year cycle of daily readings. And you have that resource, by the way, in your outline today and on our website as well. And those readings correspond with this. And there's four readings in the church calendar. There is an Old Testament reading. There is a psalm reading, a psalm or a proverb. And then there is a New Testament reading of the epistles, the, the, the letters in the New Testament. And there's a gospel reading from the life of Jesus, the biographies in the New Testament, the four ancient biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So there's Old Testament, there's psalms or proverbs, there's a New Testament epistle, some of the letters, and there's a gospel, four readings. And this can shape you, inform you. And why am I introducing this today? We've talked about this before, but I think it's important to remind you that I want to challenge you and our church to make this even more important. 
Because in this day and age, the things that are demanding your time and are demanding your shaping you, your work schedule, your, your, your social calendar, your uh, whatever else, the civic calendars around us, the calendars of our cultures that we come from that are shaping us, I want you to remember and to know that there is a tool that the church has used for generations, and there is power in this. Now, we're Baptists, so we can be pragmatic about it. We can follow it and jump off if we need to here and there. Like, we're not legalistically bound to this. There is no Baptist Pope that's going to come down and swat us with a big fly swatter if we do something different. But, pragmatically, we have this tool to use. And I say that we need to continue to remember this and use it in our life as believers. Okay, I got to land this plane. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's land the plane, shall we? So what do I want to call you to? I want to remind you that in Christ... There is this sense of time is moving forward, that God is at work, that God's providence is working, whether we define providence meticulously or in a general sense. Class on Sunday morning, by the way, is wrestling through this. If you're looking to join something to go a little deeper theology, join me at 915 in the church house basement. We are wrestling through all kinds of uh, where Bible-believing Christians disagree and agree. It's good stuff. Um, we've almost got it all solved. We're waiting, though. We've got a few more people that need to chime in, and then we'll... we'll, we'll no, I'm just kidding. We don't have it all solved. But we're wrestling through some stuff. But in that church calendar, my, my call to you is to stay awake to God's time in your life. That in Christ you are indeed, well, there was an old hymn that talked about this. I've got a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. A new name written down in glory. Woo. All right, any of you know that hymn? Just me? Oh, okay, Anne knows that hymn. All right, all right. I bet a few of you know that hymn. You're just being, you know, discreet. Okay, fair enough. Um, and this idea of the new calendar, staying awake again and marking your days differently than simply by the calendars that you've already been given. Those calendars will pass away one day. Those calendars will all go away. But when you die, you shift fully in to the time of the kingdom to come. You lean into the future even more so. And one day we are told the king will return and the fullness of time This creation will be moved into something new. But in the meantime, we lean into time differently. How many ways can I use time in one sentence? I don't know, a lot. So stay awake to a different way of counting time. The second thing I want to remind you of as we're landing this plane this morning is know that you are being formed, like it or not. War is upon you. Wasn't that King Theoden, uh, Aragon, and the Lord of the Rings, all of you Lord of the Rings nerds here, and he's like, I would not want to risk open war. Like it or not, open war is upon you. Oliver, like it or not, open war is upon you. How it is. How will you respond? Know you're being formed. You can use the church calendar to shape against the capitalist and communist formation that wants to reduce us to products or to the centralizing powers of big government or big corporations or all of that. And I'm not 100% against those, but I think Jesus does decenter power and tells us that all of them are based ultimately on totalizing lies. And the church calendar tells us there's another way to be human. And we need to hear that more desperately in our world as powers continue to wrangle and raise their fists against heaven and one another. We need to remember there is another king and kingdom at work. And when you say yes to Jesus, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness, of totalizing, centralizing, all controlling power into the kingdom of light. The one who did not consider it above himself to lay down himself and become as a slave, a different kind of power, a power from below. And the kingdom of God, we are reminded of this in the calendar. So know you're being formed, but the church is a voice of a different way of being formed. 
And it's not all evil. And, and here's the thing. We need to be careful. Paul uses this by uh, language where he's going dark and light. There's a, it's admixture for sure. But my job is not to tease that out today. My job is to talk about the church calendar. So those of you that want to wrestle with that later with me, please buy me a coffee and let's do it. But this idea of, again, we are being formed. And this is another way of letting the Lord form us throughout our actual days. Finally, I challenge us to embrace the church year and the lectionary. And we're going to lean into this this year even more. This year through Sunday inserts that have the lectionary readings, the three-year cycle of the four readings. We won't always use them in worship, but we do sometimes. But they're there for you to use. Use them devotionally. Use the daily lectionary links if you need more scripture reading as well. But get in a pattern of reading with other Christians across the globe. Many use this reading pattern through the church year. And embracing the church year as well. That we want to emphasize key days and times throughout the year of the calendar of Jesus. That this can shape us differently. So this morning before you go, we have a gift for you up front. So happens that here in Vancouver, there's actually a church who I'm actually friends with the pastor. Uh, They produce this calendar and I've bought this the last few years and I thought I need to get this for our church. I think I have enough for every household in our church for every household. Please take one of these. They're up here before you go today. And this is just a calendar and I know it's old school. You can, there are apps that you can add to your iCalendar or to Google calendar as well. But this calendar starts on the Christian new year. The first month, as it were, is Advent, and this begins in two Sundays. It also has the normal Gregorian calendar dates, so you've got November 27th, and you can write in whatever other calendar you want, but so it does mark time using the calendar that's pretty commonly used around the world now, but it also breaks it up into Advent, November 27th through December 18th, and then Christmas, and they change the artwork every year, some classic, some whatever, And it goes through, and I'm not going to do all of them, and epiphany. And so each of these is marked, and so we enter in with the colors. Each season has a color, too, by the way. Thinking about putting some flags out front with the church colors as well. But I want to challenge you. Mark your time differently. Stand with me this morning as we conclude our time together. And during this time, for those that are getting baptized and doing the baptizing, if you have time to go get ready, this is your time to do that. We're going to sing a song, but let's pray before we do that. We are called to mark time differently, brothers and sisters. I want to challenge you to lean into the church year. Lean into the daily lectionary. Lean into these scripture readings. That the calendar and the word would form you in a new way. I invite you to that. And you'll hear more about it from us here at Pilgrim. You'll see it on the walls. You'll see it displayed in various ways. But God is at work in the world. A way of understanding this time as well is, in some traditions, they see time as fully cyclical. We're all just going in, in, in automatic repeat forever and ever and ever and ever. Some versions of karma, and et cetera. We're just kind of going around in a circle. By the way, karma is a very dark doctrine if you think about it. Everything bad happening in your life is because you were bad in the past. Oh my goodness, I don't know. I, I need grace. That's, that's that. Whoa. Um, but going around and around in a circle... Others say that, you know, God wound up the clock and and he's not engaged. But the Christian view is some things are cyclical indeed because of human nature, blessed and the challenging, but it's moving towards something. That God is at work in the world moving towards new creation, new life. And there's great hope in that. And so we, in the church calendar, remember those cycles and seasons, but also remember that 
God acted in punctuated time and kairos time, and he will and is and will continue to do so again. When you enter into this church, you're entering a different time zone to be empowered and to go out into ordinary time in a new way and experience God's work there as well, to overlap the time zones. Let's pray. Lord, I know that today this, for some people, this was super simple. For other people, this is mind-blowing. And for most of us, probably somewhere in the middle. But I ask Holy Spirit that we would be reminded that you are at work. You worked in the past. You worked in the children of Israel. You worked in the church. You worked in the first century. You continue to work throughout time. And you are moving this towards new creation, final judgment, ultimate justice, ultimate redemption, ultimate shalom and peace for all everywhere. And we live in between the times. But God, forgive us and help awaken us to realize that we do live in between the times. That the claims of empire, the claims of powers that are now in the world at work, they want to make us think that they're ultimate and total and have absolute control. But Lord, we are reminded of your calendar, your work in the world, that they do not have the final say. And that one day at the name of Jesus, all of the powers, they will indeed bow because they will be overcome by your greatness and your love. And so, Lord, remind us that we are operating on two calendars and that your calendar is the eternal one that goes on forever, rooted in your life, Jesus. And, Lord, today, for someone that maybe needs to say yes to Jesus, because they have been overwhelmed by the claims of the empire, by the claims of the powers, the political powers, the social economic powers, maybe family power, all of these things have been such a burden on them and they're tired and they can't live up, I pray today that they would hear from you these words, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take of me my yoke for my burden is easy and my burden is light and he will shoulder that with you. Jesus is calling you to enter a new time zone. Jesus is calling you to see your life in a new way. Jesus is saying, turn from the powers that seek to destroy and take and crush your identity and know your first identity is in me, he says to you. Jesus is calling today and is saying, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Today is the day of salvation. Today you can walk in freedom if you decide to take that step. For he will not coerce it. He will not force it, for he is all good and all loving, but he will call and he will woo and he will beckon. And if that's you today, you can say yes to the allegiance to Jesus. In your own words, you can say to him, in your heart, in your mind, out loud, you can say, Jesus, I want to give my allegiance to you. I need another power at work in my life that is different from all of these other ones that are trying to claim and crush and co-opt. You can say yes to him. You can say, Jesus, I don't understand it, but by your spirit, I sense there's something here that is of the spirit and I want to follow you. And so I say, Jesus, come and live within me by that spirit. Draw me into your kingdom. Bring me into your time. If you want help in praying that kind of prayer, or if you did that, please let me know or let Josh know or anybody serving today. We want to help you take your next steps in a journey of faith. Not through coercion, not through arm twisting, but certainly through appeal and through his love. 
for you are a child of God. Come home to his goodness. He loves you. Amen.